Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. Welcome to the Deep Dive. It is another Monday pod. Beautiful day here in Southern California. Uh, we are officially on all-star break for NBA handicapping, which means I get to sit back, kick, kick my feet up, relax a little bit, uh, watch Andy uh, make some plays on the um, on the parts of college basketball that I didn't even know had teams, uh, and uh, you know, record a podcast. How are you doing tonight, Andy? Oh, we're pretty good. Pretty good up here in Minnesota. Like you said, just MEAC and SWAC basketball. There was honestly like, you know, we talk about those lines don't even come out to the morning of the game. So I, I went to look at today's games yesterday and only three of the 14 games had lines. Like, mm. well, well, we'll just check it again in the morning. Mm. Guess we're not making. Guess we're not making any early plays. No, 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 no. Um, it was a good weekend. I, was, I had a good, uh, good run in the uh, the NBA All Star festivities. Um, felt like I got a little bit lucky with it was Joe fun. Harris. Our, yeah, our Periscope stuff. <laughs> yeah, the Periscope yeah. picks went yeah. went well. Yeah, Pepperdine bounced back. They're back in the good graces. Um, but let's get into it, man. Let's get into this. We got a fun pot on tap today. Um, we did something fun last week, breaking down sort of the basics of building a numerical model for handicapping basketball. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and we kind of realized through that experience, it would be really worthwhile to utilize these Monday podcasts as a means of just kind of talking through some topics that otherwise don't get a ton of credit you know kind of exposure not they don't get talked about much when they're like you're in the heat in the midst of like major handicapping for any the given sport battle. the heat of battle you're not you're not yeah when you're when your finger isn't you know you know drastically cruising in through pie. yeah when your finger isn't in the pie uh what are some good things to kind of uh, to talk about um we got a whole bunch of great topics today is, is going to be one of my favorites i'm sure um not even really sure how we came up with this, but uh, it felt appropriate given. Oh, but when, when we did though, like, yeah, we were we yeah, were excited. I think it. I think this trickled out because we were basically like one oh one last week, and we were like, okay, well, you're just getting started. Like, what would be useful content? And we were like, you know, if we like recapped some of our most obvious rookie mistakes i'm sure that would be helpful to people um and so we started making a list and it was ridiculous how easy and fast it was to fill up this list um and granted it's going to be tough to keep this to you know a normal easy to digest pod we may even have to break this up into multiple pods and some of these lessons come directly from the hot on the hot off the streets of gambling twitter in terms of conversations that are being had out there that are making me want to scratch my head or scream or just laugh out loud. Uh, and uh, other ones are kind of tried and true lessons that we've taken, you know, from from some of our rookie mistakes and how we apply them to our kind of, you know, the way we handicap, um, you know, day in, day out. So you ready to, to tackle this list, Andy? Yeah, like you said, there's a ton of podcasts if you just want to listen for somebody – handicapping some games and giving picks. And we do plenty of that during the NFL season. I think this is going to be a lot of fun trying to make these Tuesday podcasts a little more oh, educational 
I don't know how long we can go with this, how many topics there are, but I think just being on gambling Twitter way too much and talking to enough people, these kind of topics just present themselves like this one did. So, yeah, let's let's roll because we have a hell of a list here already. Yeah, let's go back and forth. I'll start first with one of my rookie mistakes, and I'm I'm literally thinking of this through like the lens of time. Like, what were some of the things I screwed up right out of the gate? Um, and the first one I wanted to start with is I backed a team not because I had a uh, statistical edge or I understood anything about edges or markets or betting at all. I just bet a team because they were my favorite team. And uh, this is pretty, uh, I think this is pretty common. Uh, I think it's pretty telltale. And this one's true. Uh, I definitely got caught up in sort of the momentum of the Patriots team of destiny back in the very first ever Tom Brady run. Uh, And, you know, it paid off for me. Um, But clearly, uh, you know, using kind of personal bias to uh, inform your decision making when it comes to sports betting is laughable. Um, And it takes a long time to kind of reset your perspective and your mindset so that you're not making decisions based on who your favorite team is. And uh, I would even say the the best of us um, still struggle with completely, you know, completely divorcing the emotions that come along with, you know, an outcome that you want to happen. Even if it's not like your favorite team, just something interesting that you want to happen. You cannot use that to inform your judgment or your decision making when it comes to sports betting. Um, is this something that you uh, yeah. dealt with as well? Yeah, and, and for a while, and like I knew, I knew for a fact that I was not being objective when I was dealing with games involving teams from Minnesota when I was younger and a much bigger fan of fans of you know all my teams. And I think you know a, a first step in in the growth process of this is just not betting any of those games. <laughs> because you know you're not, if, if you know because I feel like I I bet on I bet on and against the Vikings several times during the season I did again last year and I don't think it went any better or worse I don't think I was like making huge mistakes because I have kind of gotten past that but I think I, at first I knew I couldn't do that and I said well I'm not gonna take the risk of letting all my biases affect the way I'm betting or the way I'm handicapping. I'm just not going to bet games that involve any of my teams. And I think you brought up another good point, too. It doesn't have to be, oh, you know, this is where I went to school or this is where I grew up and this is my favorite team or I'm a stupid bandwagon Patriots fan. Like, it, it can be, like you said, something you want to happen. Like, oh, you know, a, a team breaks a record by winning this game or, uh, you know, they can finish a, an undefeated run or they can they can break some sort of streak. Like when you start when you start hoping uh, there'll be an outcome like that in your yeah. head, like you, you, need, you need to maybe take a step back from the game and be like, do I want this to happen so bad that I'm I'm letting it affect my handicap? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's tough because you're fighting against just human nature. I think it happened to me a this lot, year. A lot of that is. I think it happened to me this year in the AFC title game. Um, I was stuck in a in a prior from a, like the preseason that someone would stop the Patriots from getting back to the Super Bowl. Like I was in my head, I was on record in multiple places, video in multiple places that, that the Patriots were not going to get to the Super Bowl. Um, I wanted to see the Chiefs go beyond putting 
substantial features down on them to go. And I think a lot of that kind of clouded my judgment in terms of just doing the, you know, I had, you know, there were opportunities there to balance out my risk portfolio in that game substantially. And I didn't take them. Uh, And I think a lot of that was in some ways shaped by my bias of, I was sure the Patriots were not going to get to the, uh, to the Super Bowl, and, and it cost me dearly. So I think, uh, you know, it's something that you could do this for tens of years and still have to, um, you know, still have to have strategies in place to, uh, to avoid some of these pitfalls. Um, yeah. And just to, to close on that one too, I think you just, you need to know yourself. Like I've, I've just grown to the fact that if I want to be good at betting on some of these sports, I need to distance myself. I need to be less of a fanboy. And it's difficult, and not everybody wants to make that distinction. And I think you have that option. Just be like, I'm not going to bet on this team because I can't see clearly. I'm wearing my whatever color team's glasses. I it probably know, the rose tinted glasses, too, right? Yeah, and, and yeah, I think I think it does, and too, and. The, I will touch just a, a side note on that. I don't love the emotional hedge either because no. I just like money so much. No. Like when you, when you bet, no, you bet against your favorite team because you know, like you either, either, well, either my team will win or I'll make money. Like, Oh man, can't you just, can't you just cheer for your team and not hope to burn some money? I hate that one too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think there is, this cuts both ways. I'm sure you probably handicapped games and maybe come up with some edge on the Packers, but couldn't stomach making a bet on them. <laughs> right. Or, and, or you thought you had some perceived edge against them and you couldn't wait to make that bet. Right. I bet you, I bet you. Oh yeah. The same thing. You, you know, you're your biggest rival. Yeah. It does go both ways. Like not only your favorite team, but your big rival. Well, that's a super good point. And you just, you just take some steps back. It's like, you always see those things on Twitter or, you know, in articles, like here's quarterback A versus quarterback B. Mm-hmm. Like, who are you taking? And it's like, oh, surprise. Did you think you were taking this quarterback that you secretly hate or maybe <laughs> people don't think is good? It's the same thing. You don't yeah. don't think yeah. about the logo on the side of the helmet. Think about the stats that are getting put down week in and week out. Great and call. the situation okay. that the game is in. Yeah. So, so all right, number two. What do you got? Well, the way we phrased this and the way it affected me back in the day are differently, but we wrote, I thought I was going to get rich by hitting a parlay, which I don't want to say parlays are bad. And I just did read an article about this too. I think it was a pinnacle article. Parlays aren't bad. I think that's one of those things where once you get into the space a little and you start learning, you're like, oh yeah, parlays are for suckers. And for the most part, they are. But if you do have a statistical edge, you have a model or some data that can prove, and you know, and it has back testing, you know you have edges on a game, and you parlay two of those together, That it can be proven that that's not a bad play. But I feel like that's not really what we're talking about with this one. And no, no, no. Yeah, man. Just everybody, you know, putting putting together your lotto parlays, and I I do it for very small stakes. But when when you start like making your plays around that, putting a full unit on big parlays, putting the other parlays where it's like, all right, I'm gonna hit this and retire. I'm gonna hit this, and it's more than what I make in a year. Those aren't gonna 
and that's the problem with the, the social media and the media in general. Like when people do hit those, they get so much play on Twitter and it just makes people think, well, I mean, Joe Schmo did it. I can do it, which it's, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the biggest parlay I hit and I mean, I we had that I'm one not, last yeah. NFL. I had that, I had that five teamer. Yeah. That was just, like I'd made that it's another one of those things where if I say something on a podcast, I have to bet it superstition, but I, I, I you know, I put like 25 bucks on that, you know, yeah. it, it was nice to win $500 or whatever, but you're not going to, you're not going to have that happen very often. And you shouldn't be, especially if, if you have a limited bankroll and you're, you're wanting to bet more than your 1%, you know, bankroll management's a whole nother podcast, I think, but if you're betting 1% of like a $500 bankroll, you're making $5 bets. A lot of people aren't going to like to do that. So they're going three, four, five, 10% to their bankroll. And if you start doing parlays at five or 10% of your bankroll, that bankroll is going to be gone in a hurry. So mm-hmm. it's just, if, if you do do like, I don't want to talk people out of having fun because not everyone's in this to, you know, long-term make money, get rich. Like it is still an entertainment aspect to it but if you are betting parlays and you don't think you know and you're not doing it based on some model where you have an edge just keep them small because i yeah i think the worst thing that happened to me early in my betting career i hit a big one and i mean this is when i was betting very small on nfl and i hit like a seven or eight teamer for four digits and it was it was like well i'm gonna do this every week now this is easy like after you know, after all those games are completed, like yeah, I looked down the list of the games that I bet on. Like, well, that was pretty obvious. <laughs> like those were, uh, yeah, like obviously, yeah. The Raiders, the Raiders were never going to be in that game. What? Why would? I'm, I'm surprised I didn't sell points there. I could have made even more money. But yeah, I've I've hit a few parlays like that, and it just it it actually is bad for your betting psyche. Yeah, I think. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Okay. Let me, uh, let me recap that a little bit. And I think you made some really good points there. Um, it, no, I would, and I would even go a step further. If you are getting into this and you think you are going to get rich, you need to completely reframe your, your expectations. Um, no one that is doing this is getting rich. There are people that have worked their way to build enormous bankrolls where they can do this professionally. And they are eking out small margins in select spots to earn a living doing this. Virtually no one that is in this game gets is is in this game, you know, because you know, there no one is getting rich. That that is that is laughable. Even the bookmakers. <laughs> no, there is there is limited amount of money even available on the bookmaking side of, of sports betting. Almost all of it is just getting people in the door so that they can play table games. So, you know, the get or slots. Get get uh, you know, reframe yeah, reframe your expectations if you think you're getting into this to get rich at all. Uh, which then brings to bear, okay, well, I'm not expecting to get rich. I just want to have fun. And parlays are fun. Because yeah, you can hit one and it can be an enormous payday, and then like there, right there, right then and there, might be the most fun you have all year watching sports. Like I get that entirely. I've been that guy. I still kind of do that. I don't do a ton of that, but you know, if you are that guy and you are doing it, like, do not do that on the side and then look up at the end of the month and wonder why you're paying your bookie or why you have to redeposit your money. 
Like there's, it is a, it is a, a an easy and way to kind of bleed your bankroll. Uh, and while as much, you know, and, and, you know, granted, if you're in this to have fun and it's fun, then by all means do it, just use in a reasonable, you know, percentage of your bankroll. So you're not bleeding so fast that you have to, you know, deposit every month or, or pay your bookie or something. Cause you know, it should, if it is really fun, you know, then it should be for funny money. So, you know, do it be keeps just kind of keep that's that a, that's a good point on the getting rich thing too. like professionals, even the low end of professionals have $50,000 bankrolls. Like they have yeah, money that they, I, that they, is know, the, I would they know they, can, the they can't, they can't, that's the bot. That's bare minimum. Most professionals have a, a six figure bankroll. It's not like, Oh, I have $150,000 that I can have and spend. That's the money they need to have so that they can, you know, withstand the troughs and valleys and yeah, make, right. make big enough plays so that when they do eke out their return on investment at whatever percentage they're getting, they can take some of that money out and pay the mortgage and stuff like that. Because they need, they can't, they can't just continue to dig into their bankroll to pay the bills. So yeah, that's all good points. And it kind of, it kind of ties right into the number three. Yeah. I'm guilty of this one. I put this one on here. Uh, I upped my stakes after some early success. Um, first time I built a model for the NFL, it did very well through the first half of the season. Uh, I thought number one, you know, and, and you know, I thought that, um, you know, I had cracked the code. I had figured it out and I went, um, yeah, did not have any concept of bankroll management practices, did not have any concept of, uh, you know, regression to the mean variance or anything like that. Uh, and, uh, you know, 100 turned into 200 a game, 200 turned into 500 a game. And the next thing you know, it's Thanksgiving and I have my entire, you know, I have my entire 5k <laughs> bankroll that I had built up out uh, across, uh, across, you know, six sides and totals on Thanksgiving and you go two and four. And when, you know, while that would otherwise be no big deal, it, you know, reduce your stack down to, you know, a, a month, two months worth of winnings gone. Uh, and that has immediate, immediately triggers you mentally that like, Oh man, like I just cannot believe how much I just gave back. Now I got to get it back. And you're stuck in the cycle where, you know, you're putting more at risk than you can afford to lose in a single game. Uh, and I think this happens to a lot of people. Yeah. Again, we want to, uh, we'll probably leave it for a whole nother episode as far as bankroll management, but I think tracking too. tracking's a big thing. Like my spreadsheet that I track, and this isn't my college basketball or my football spreadsheets that are, you know, shared. This is something I have just on my own, every bet, every future, every, everything I bet is in this. And it, it manages, it manages my money too, because there's a, there's a calculation in there. It tells me exactly what my bankroll is after each bet. And it just tells me what 1% of that is. And that's how much I'm betting. Like I never will differentiate from that. The only reason I would not bet 1% of my bankroll on a play is if it's a future or a long shot, then I'm betting less because I'm not going to bet 1% on a 100 to 1 shot. So, I mean, knowing, knowing proper, I mean, boy, we, 
we can't just turn this hall into proper bankroll management, but that's no. so important because I've no. seen so many people, I've seen so many people do this on Sunday. They go like three and one on the NFL's noon slate and they go like two and oh on the, on the three o'clock. So they're, they're, you know, they're up almost over four units. They're betting a hundred bucks a game. They're up like 400 bucks and they go to the, they, they're going to put it all on the Sunday night over <laughs> and they take what could have been a good, they, you know, Let's say it loses and they'd only put a hundred dollars on that again. You're up three hundred bucks instead of at zero. Or the same goes for the guy that goes one and five and he's looking at paying his guy on Tuesday and he's down four hundred bucks and he says, Well, I'm gonna get it back. You take a bad week and turn it into an excruciating week where you're eating ramen for the next week because you just <laughs> dropped eight hundred. He gave it all to the man. It was bad. You, you can't can't let on. It just I, I say this so many times too. The the uh, the uh, what I mean. What do you want to call it? the how one day? It's it's a short period of time. You know, granted in the NFL Sundays are the day, but one day, one week, one month, one season. It's such a small part of it. You got to be looking more long term. And if you if you start doing it like that, and and just thinking of it as one day I got to get back today, or I got to really crush it today. Like, and, and you base your stakes on that sort of thing. You're, you're going to have a bad time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like you need to get yeah. to the point where you can have like an O and five day and it doesn't even affect you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty sound advice from a bankroll, very, very bankroll management one-on-one. Uh, don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Obviously that's pretty, it sounds cliche, but it's pretty important. Um, and you know, for almost everyone out there, there's a pretty happy medium at the start of the season where this much risked in a single game is enough to get, give me the entertainment I want out of this, but it's not so much that I can, that I can afford to walk away from this. No big deal. Right. Some people it might be 50 bucks, others, a hundred, others, 200. It's, there's no, you know, no one really needs to know what your unit size is and, you know, you can find your happy place where, you know, it's giving you the entertainment you're looking for. Um, and you know, you commit to some number at the beginning of the season and make it through the season without making anything over that number. Uh, if you're, you know, relatively newcomer to this, then, uh, you're going to keep yourself out of trouble. Uh, and it's going to, uh, you know, presumably if you do well, if you, you know, if you're, if you're handicapping well, then, uh, you're going to have a little bit at the end of the season to, uh, uh, to take your uh, girlfriend out for an especially nice Valentine's day or something like that. Um, which brings me to number four. Uh, I didn't cash out after the NFL was over. Um, I put this one on here <laughs> because this is one that has gotten me, uh, year in, year out. It doesn't have to be NFL. It could be March madness. It could be, you know, um, you know, some, you know, some tennis tournament that you happen to cap, especially well. Um, it's important to know, you know, kind of when to draw down when you have an especially fat bankroll. Uh, it's worthwhile to know not getting in, involved in sports or, uh, or, you know, markets that you don't understand that you don't have a deep, you know, a, 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 a well-capped position on. Um, you're just flipping coins and you're throwing money away. Um, and you know, for, for sure, I've gone through cycles where, you know, made a good amount on March madness and then, you know, and 
April rolls around and I'm just dumping on NBA playoffs before I had any concept of how to handicap the NBA. <laughs> just just whacking baseball because it's just whacking baseball because it's during the day. Exactly. It's it's noon. I'm li- going to listen to the baseball game while it's on the radio while I'm working. And I'm just like, bucket Mets first five. Let's go. You know, I mean, like that, that kind of stuff. You know, as again, kind of, you don't want to take the fun out of this. Like, we're not oh. trying to make this like a job by any stretch of the imagination, but just like, keep in mind, like, there are a million ways in which, you know, there are, there are, uh, uh, you know, you can bleed out your bankroll by, you know, by doing things that are quote unquote fun. You just have to be conscientious about how much you're betting on those spots. Oh, yeah. No, it's like, and I hate to, I'm not even going to say it's a, it's a person I know in real life. Because and we we go out for March Madness every year. It's been many, I don't know how many years I've been doing it in a row, but it's awesome. I love it. But you know, we we do get a little prepped. Everybody does their research because you don't want to go out there and just blow it. You want to do well at college basketball. So I mean, I feel like we've always done okay. You know, not everybody wins, but nobody gets just shelled. And we get out there, and my one buddy gets there, and there's no games yet because it's. I think we got there after the play-in games on like a Wednesday. They said, "Ah, there's a baseball game. I'm gonna bet that." Like, what do you bet baseball? <laughs> sometimes, and he he bet like yeah, the run line. It, he bet he bet like a minus. It was a minus one and a half. And we all went and got our rooms, did our stuff, and I went out to the pool for a bit and checked it out. <laughs> I get back in there, and it had been like an hour and a half, and the game had started. And I'm like, "How's your team doing?" He's like, "They're down nineteen to one." <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know that that's such a stupid isolated incident but it's just such a good like i don't know what the fuck i'm doing with baseball maybe i shouldn't have made this bets there it goes like like before before we'd even gotten to any basketball handicapping and betting <laughs> the guy was you know he was down 100 bucks because he got on a baseball game oh, it was great. it was comical how bad it wasn't even it wasn't even like it wasn't even late in the game yet like they the, like Two or three pitchers had gotten shelled. It was awesome, not yeah. for him, but either way, no. That it's true that you know if if you do want to delve into another sport, take the take some time and do some research because it it's what happens when the NFL is over. It's like oh, I better get into college basketball and the NBA, and it's like me, I don't bet hardly any NBA just because I haven't had the time to look at it yet. I'm gonna I'm going to start once I get caught up a little. But if I'm betting NBA right now, I'd be flipping coins. Yeah, I right, try to take right, it right, pretty right. easy on the stuff I don't know shit about. So, yep, that's right. Um, similarly, like you know, just in that exact vein, like if you're a rookie, if you're new to this, if you you know listen to our podcast throughout the NFL season and picked up all kinds of you know useful handicapping angles and situational spots, and you're using power numbers in the NFL now, and you've been watching the NFL for five years, so you got a good feel for it. Um, your knowledge base is very different than if you decided from last week's podcast, you're going to start handicapping the champions league and you may, you know, you need to recognize that, you know, there are, is that you have specific skills and specific um, sports where you have a robust and usable handicap. And there are others where you will not, and it will take years to kind of catch up, you know, to, you know, a sport where you haven't been, you know, following closely detailed handicapping, daily handicapping in some cases. Uh, and you know, if you jump into that, if you jump into that pool, you're, guess what? You're the fish. So it's, it's, uh, it's, 
important to kind of know your strengths, find your strengths, find your weaknesses, find balance in terms of the sports you handicap. Um, and just because NFL is over, you know, you don't need to be betting on, you know, every Tuesday basketball Everything. game that's on Everything. the card. Yeah. You don't need to, you don't need to bet, um, you know, uh, 195 plays on this college basketball Saturday. <laughs> Yeah, you can though. You, you can. People that do it, if you want. Um, oh, so let's move down. Uh, what's next? This is one. This Should we do one these together? I'm, yeah, sure. It's one this, and one this, A. The, yeah, the one. This was. This one is is one that I'm one hundred percent guilty of when I got started. Uh, I thought I could win by tailing an expert. Without a doubt, I didn't do the work myself. Uh, I all I did was blind tail someone who I thought knew what they were doing. Um, turns out there's a lot of people out there who don't know what they're doing. And there's a lot of people out there who are only, they only exist in this space on Twitter, on the internet, on forums, whatever. They only exist to give you enough of a taste of winning to sell you something or to, um, you know, the, all kinds of motivations. What are some other motivations? Oh, just to garner a following or build a brand or something. You know, there, there's there, there there's plenty of people that put their plays out there that win. But I think the biggest thing you have to know is like, oh, this guy, this guy went, he's plus 30 units in college football. I tailed this play. Why did I lose money? Well, maybe you got in in the middle. He had a hot streak that you missed. It's like we said, we talked about this off air a little, you know, if you hear about somebody that's on a heater, an absolute hot streak, that might be the worst time to follow, start tailing somebody because they're due for regression. Like I felt, I felt bad. Like when my college basketball model had a nice little run, I almost felt bad like promoting it. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're like, I, I, I said this to you. I, shouldn't, I should be I quiet about I, this. Yeah. I know I said this to you so many times. I'm like, I'm I'm about to hit regression season. Like I feel it's bad, coming. but granted, re regression season hasn't been too hard yet. But yeah, if if somebody is hitting like 65, 70%, like actually maybe fade them. <laughs> that might be yeah. the better way to go. Because they're <laughs> everybody they're, nobody's gonna do that for a full season. Regression to the mean is always going to be a thing and if you are going to tell somebody and you absolutely believe like they're going to have a good season you have to play everything you can't pick and choose that's i think that's a, a big mistake people think like oh I, i'm tailing this guy but i don't like this play because he's betting against a team i like and yeah. that game that game will always win like yeah. that's always a win that you left off your card so always. i mean if, if you are tailing you know if you are tailing somebody Try to have some consistency about it, and yeah, make and sure, you know, do, make and sure do they more have some than, Do more than just blind tail them. Like you know, keep track of the plays independently. Um, keep track of you know what is working and what isn't. You could potentially, if, because you would have you know some distance from the underlying handicap, you could potentially do better, right? Like the guy that just posted the details about your model who pointed out like some really interesting things about the conferences that your model absolutely kicks ass in days when it's great. Like all that stuff was fascinating. Like if you're doing that on oh, your that own, was cool. um, beyond just blind tailing, like you're going to make even, you're going to have an even more valuable tool set and, you know, potentially you'll learn all the ins and outs that are supporting the handicap in and of itself. You'll add those to your toolbox. You'll be a better handicapper. 
Like that's the whole point of this. So, um, you know, I want to, I want to do a math problem for the next one. So let's say you are a long-term winner. You're, you're not doing, you know, let's take like the hockey guys though that are betting a lot of plus numbers. Let's just say you're a long-term winner in NBA, college basketball, NFL, college football, something like that, where most of your lines are right around even money, between even money and minus 120. What percentage of your plays are winning? Like, what is what is your winning percentage if you're a winning better long-term? 50? Oh, man. 52 and a half. 53 Wait. if you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like half, like fifty five is yeah. fifty two and a half. It barely gets it done. I think it's fifty two point three eight is break even on one ten. So, if you are hitting fifty five percent of your plays, you are you're great. I mean, that's solid. You're gonna have a long term return on investment. You're gonna win money. Now let's take the average loser, the guy who loses money. What do you think he's hitting? Fifty one. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because it's I, I feel like it's between yeah. I feel like it's between forty nine and a half and fifty and a half. And that's yeah. where we get into the Twitter mush. You are yeah. not gonna just just like you know, you might not be able to find someone you can tail and make long term money. You're never gonna find someone that's so bad that you can just blindly fade them it's it's the exact opposite like most losing betters are hitting right around coin flip rates but you can't mm-hmm. win there because you're just going to get juiced out they just lose slowly yeah like, they and so if you're betting if you're betting against a guy that's hitting at 49 percent, you're not going to win either like you're doing better than him but you're not doing well enough to win money you're just going to lose slightly slower so I mean, unless you, you have to find someone who's hitting like forty six, what? Yeah, like forty seven percent, which is honestly it, to to do that badly is just as difficult as it is to be a professional who's doing well. Like it, it's it, without it'd be a statistical anomaly. Yeah, without question, without question. Uh, I guess the question. So I guess is it fair? Can we officially forever and ever on this show dispel the Twitter mush? Yeah, and that's the other thing too, like the oh everybody's on this play thing. I mean, how big of a percentage? Like, what do you think? One in ten people in the world has Twitter, and then how many if, people are in gambling Twitter? How many people post their plays on gambling Twitter? It's such a tiny percentage. I don't think it's a good, you know, indication of the overall market. You know, and, and people always remember like oh everybody had you know Duke that day and then Duke lost. But nobody remembers like uh, everybody had Kentucky the one day and Kentucky won and everybody made a lot of money. Hey, everybody had Clemson. Everybody had Clemson in the national title game. Everybody. Yeah. Everybody. I don't know one person who was stumping for Bama in the national title game, and it didn't matter. Uh, There's a lot of examples. You know, that that that. happens, yeah, just as often. Just as often. Yeah. Yeah, Just as often as there's a Twitter mush, there's a good job everyone on Twitter won today. Like everybody had this play and it came through, but nobody Mm -hmm. remembers those. So, yeah, 100% not a thing. It's a superstitious old wives' tale bullshit. Yep. Yeah. Uh, 100% agreed. Um, Yeah. You cannot win long term by um, tailing, by fading uh, a Twitter mush as uh, as much as the, the, uh, but, you know, because, but it's the funny thing is that like, you can kind of build a brand on quote unquote losing by, you know, really promoting how bad luck you are. Oh my God, I have such bad luck. Like, like that's easy. 
Like it's really easy to, um, you know, to take the worst beats that you have and really amplify them because people can kind of wallow in that misery and like that gets you attention. Like there's no doubt that there are people out there that are doing cool. it. Um, it's and, just like the yeah. parlay story. The the parlays that get that get blown up on Twitter. Like, oh, this lucky better went to William Hill and yeah, this fourteen leg parlay. It's the same thing. Like, oh, this guy lost a twelve leg. That's the worst. Like, yeah. I can handle a bad beat story. Like, if you had second half, you know, a team second half, and the other team goes on like a fifteen zero run to close the game and gets you by the hook. That's a bad beat. Losing a last leg of a parlay, that's not a bad beat. That's shitty hedging. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's poor that's poor risk management. I'll I'll use a different I'll say that's poor risk management. Um and uh, you know, we, we we should write we should uh, we should single some of these out and really do standalone pods on these because I had thought about so much stuff, so much more stuff about parlays and bankroll management and all this stuff. So this is a good jumping off. Oh, bankroll management needs stuff. to be a whole Monday pod. Yeah. Um, okay. And I feel like you know what we 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 don't like to completely put it on you, but I feel like there's a lot of I get a lot of questions in DMs about bankroll management. Oh, and always. I think. The, I, th- I, I know you do too. And I think that I don't even think we need to ask for questions going forward. Like I could just go back through those. Like I have enough questions where we can do a whole pod already. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, it, but yeah, I mean, it's so much of it is personal because everybody has a risk tolerance and everybody has a financial situation that is unique to them. You know, person specific, better specific. Um, and really there's no, consistent framework to kind of say okay this is my risk tolerance this is a risk profile i'm willing to live with and therefore this is my appropriate bankroll strategy you know um the and if you don't and you know most of the people that i think are you know who are recreational rec plus betters you know it's it's not obvious that they have you know long-term quantifiable edge anyway (laughs) so you can't just say oh go use quarter kelly system or whatever you know so it's tough, um, but uh, yeah, we'll 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 come back to that another day. Let's get down to a little bit more practical one. Uh, I teach teased uh, college football totals. Uh, this one's me. <laughs> this is a rookie mistake for sure. Um, when you're first getting started, it is damn easy to look at a teaser once the number is calculated for you before you hit submit and think to yourself, "There is no way this could possibly lose," um, and there is perceived perceived it's implied uh uniform value across all football uh spreads and totals which we know to be fundamentally false uh and the high the the more ridiculous the um spread or total is the less value the um teasing has uh, and this goes maybe to the nth, you know, to the extreme. If you think about like a high college football total, right? Like, or like, think about like an Oklahoma, Texas. What was that total in college football this year? It was like in the eighties, right? Like, oh yeah. Or even there was a couple years ago. I want to say, oh, this, this is pretty fucked up, but like, <laughs> you know how you can remember specific bets and where you were? Yeah. So my daughter had preschool that was like uh, in the evening. We had evening preschool, and one night a week, the it was like in the afternoon evening. One night a week, the, one parent had to be there the whole time. 
and then you'd go off into this other room and talk with the other parents and a teacher about like you know learning about parenting topics it was a really good preschool i loved it but like i can remember a western michigan total because this was like tuesdays and thursdays and it was action season. Oh my I can god, just dude! Living, I could not concentrate. <laughs> I could not concentrate because it was like I needed like eight points in the fourth quarter of like a total that was set in the seventies, and it just didn't get there. We just—it was like two field goals in the fourth quarter, and I'm struggling, just struggling <laughs> to not freak out in this room full of other parents. As I'm, again, I'm not even watching the game. I'm sitting there looking at, you know, the total. But yeah, that's boy, that set me off on a tangent. I just you gave me like uh, trigger a weird, you know, a repressed yeah. memory that popped out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, man, you get these stories the longer you do this for sure. Um, but I definitely teased some action to. I mean, because that was that, that was that's the that's the go to move. It's Wednesday. It's action. There's one college football game on. And you want to tease, but you only have one game. So what do you do? You tease the side in the total. Uh, and for sure, college football totals are, you know, high. The um, the uncertainty associated with them is enormous. Uh, six points is not worth the same on a seventy point college football total as it is on a um, on an NFL spread at minus one and a you know minus uh, or plus one and a half. Like don't you know you don't we don't need to be a math. Uh, PhD to to figure out what we're talking about here. Six points is not worth the same across all situations, um, and college football totals is probably where teasing is worth the least, except for basketball. What do you think? Yeah, basketball. Might, yeah, basketball is even worse. There's yeah, there's there's no proven there's no proven math that you can beat basketball or college football, or any sort of totals, hardly. There's a little, there's some light indications that there are better NFL totals to tease, that you might be able to work towards a small return on investment. But in general, the only thing that's ever going to work long-term is teasing NFL sides across key numbers. Even with the, and I was a little worried a few years ago with, with the, you know, the extra point moving back that this would, this would be affected, but it's still, it's still just as effective. I'm actually, I'm going to work on doing the math, I guess. I should figure out exactly how all the long teasers did for the year, but the, that stuff, it's tried and true. It's always going to work. We can do a whole episode on, on teasing the NFL and the math behind it, but everything else is, is effed. Like it's, it's not going to work. <laughs> yes. You're never going to win long-term teasing totals. You're never going to win long-term teasing college football or NFL. And, 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 and again, it's the same as back to parlays. If you want to have something fun, it needs to be like a quarter percent of your bankroll. Something small like, yes, I, I know you're an action junkie, and let's I do this too. Let's put together a fun teaser. I put an eight-leg teaser on the first weekend of the AAF. I'm, I'm man enough to admit that. It did not do well. <laughs> and I put very little on it, but I just wanted to say I did. Um, and that, that's another thing too. We haven't we haven't even delved into if if, if the numbers work across the the AAF. We'll find yeah, out. Yeah, we got to get into that pretty data, soon. But yeah, yeah. Te teasing teasing in general, it's like insurance and blackjack. If they offer it, it's usually a bad idea. But uh, there are ways to beat it. The, we can link to some good articles. There's there are ways to beat the NFL using teasers. I did very well with them this year. 
just take it easy on the other sports. And the other thing goes to let, let's say you are you are doing something with long teasers, basic strategy teasers, and you you look and you can't find a second leg. That's an, another thing with parlays and teasers is forcing it. Like saying, well, I have one good leg. I don't really have a second good leg, so I'm just going to use this. Yeah. Like using a minus EV leg in a teaser or parlay because you have to have a bet, that's a shitty idea. Yeah, a lot of bleed. books, you're uh, especially the offshores, they will. They there are plenty of books that will let you do an open teaser or an open parlay if you really like. I see a lot of people very successful with MMA parlays because I think they they really do know like this this price is off and they're betting huge huge numbers minus two three four five hundred and they don't care because they know this minus five hundred should be minus five thousand. This is a stupid number and it has value. And that's where yep. a parlay can be successful. And the, there's people that do that, and they know I don't need to be betting, you know, another another play with this tonight. There's going to be UFC next week. There's going to be Bellator the week after that. There's people that will do open open parlays and open uh, not teasers with MMA. But if they're smart and they're patient, you don't need to close it out today. Like that's that's just the action junkie inside of you wanting to know the results. Like a, a day is just a, a 24-hour period, just an arbitrary amount of time. It's yes. much more important to, to close a parlay out with a plus EV leg than it is to get it closed out today so you feel like you have some sort of completion. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's, um, my, that's my lecture. That's a good We're really that's a lecturing good people today. Well, you know, it's this is important stuff, and it's never talked about. I think they it's need still it. worthwhile. Um, okay. Uh, next one is a little bit more complicated. This is now kind of not necessarily your rookie move, but like after list. like We're a couple of years of betting, maybe you look back and you're like, holy crap. Um, I opened an account in a book and I didn't realize that I should open a second, third, fourth, and fifth account at different books. Um, this, I probably bet at a single book or had almost all of my bankroll at a single book for like three years. Uh, when I got really seriously into yep, this. Same. And I didn't, you know, until we really had cryptocurrency to help facilitate the transfer of funds from book to book, uh, it was not obvious or easy how you would go about doing it any differently. Now, there really is no excuse. You absolutely ought to have options at multiple outs because you will, number one, if you find a real true good advantage you can hit it at multiple shops number two you can shop across your books and get the best possible price available number three uh as you build a presumably as you build a profile as an advantage gambler and you're you know you will have you know more opportunities to kind of spread your you know your winning plays across books and limit the likelihood you get banned or limited um any other key obvious reasons I'm missing why you should have accounts at more than one shop. You if did hit on, under. I mean, that's everything you hit, you hit, you hit everything. Yeah. I mean, no, you hit everything, but I will add to the shopping around like in the NFL, a half point or 10 cents uh, either way. Like those are important. That's going to, you know, if you, if you make, uh, I, I did a, a project before the season, I guess. 
I looked at every single online book, whether I had it or not. And I, I had to ask people about books that wouldn't let me try this without having an account there. I had to do some digging. I was trying to figure out who had the best opportunity to bet NFL teasers. And I hate to, I'm not even going to give them free pub pub because it shouldn't, because it's not a good book overall. But it was a book that I had an account at that I hadn't used in years because it's the garbage shithole book. And I to this day, I don't use it very much. But every other book was minus 120 on betting teasers for the, the six-point NFL teaser, and this was minus 110. There was only other one book that gave me minus 110, and they did some shading where you, they would take away the numbers that I wanted. So they were kind of sneaky about it anyway. So I have the book that I did not use for anything but NFL teasers, and I made I, – I can't remember how many I made. Oh, I think it was 14, 15. So a 10 cent difference along this. I mean, just the, it was almost like a full unit. And when you're, you know, when you're dealing with thin margins and you're not, you know, you're not betting, you're not betting a ton of plays like I was. I mean, that was like, that was a big deal, like a full extra unit for not doing anything, not, not changing anything in your handicap, not changing anything you do with the way you bet, just where you're betting. Like I, I was paying 110 instead of minus 120 every single teaser I played, and it, it saved me a lot of money over the long term. And it, it will continue to if as long as that book doesn't go under or change the rules. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, big, that's a big one. And then yeah. also, I, will, I also want to sure. future bets. Oh, great. Wildly great. Oh, like that, I just said, half, half, a point, half a point in the NFL is enormous. 10 to 20 to 30 cents sometimes is enormous in the NFL when you're betting. Like you're betting straight plays or, or totals, like that 10 to 30 cents or that half point, it's going to be enormous over the long run. Just getting a few extra pushes or a few extra wins here or there. But future bets are fucking wild. The the difference in some some books i mean you're going to see a book where it's 40 to 1 at one place and 80 or 100 to 1 at a different and you know these might not be bets that you you can you know actually win but if there's value on them especially like tennis or whether it's March Madness or something, you know, tournament play where you can start hedging your way out of something if you can get a long shot moving far enough along. If you have a 100-to-1 long shot compared to a 50-to-1 long shot, it makes it a lot easier to hedge. And, I'm, I mean, those aren't hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. There are wild, wild, wild differences. Even, like, a, I made an AAF future. I opened up every book. I own every book. I own every book I have an account with and looked at all of them. I think all but one had AAF futures. And even those were crazy different. Like, uh, it, it's not a huge, huge difference, but I bet the Apollos at five to one, there was books that had them under four to one. Like you, you just need to take five minutes, make sure you're getting the best number there. And uh, over the long term, you're going to hit a few of those futures and it's going to be two or three units here, two or three units here. And, that, that's a big deal because, like you said, it's hard to win long-term, and it's a lot harder if you're getting a shitty number. Yes, yes. This comment then, finally, and we'll move on, uh, goes out to the friends in the, in the uh, who are using multiple outs in the offshore gambling space. Um, you don't have to go that far back in history to find examples of books going up in smoke, 
because they got in trouble with the you know with the local jurisdictional authorities or the U.S. government somehow. Um, and a lot of these books are tangential to you know organized crime in certain ways, and it may not be worth their while to continue operating them. Uh, and if that happens, I don't think you want to have a wad of uh, bankroll just uh, sitting there stale. Um, so it's another good reason to, you know, be somewhat flexible as far as where your money is, where it's sitting. Um, you ever well, had? A, and you ever really, had an account you freeze? said no. I haven't. I lost. A, I lost. I think I, I had. I had a. I had a book. I lost once. Like I lost a book, but I didn't have anything in it. Like it, I. I, it I can't empty. remember who it was. I used. Well, it's it's a book I used to use, and it doesn't exist anymore because they got wiped. I can't remember who it is now, but yeah, that that's a that's a bad way to lose money. I don't keep a ton in each book. Like that's the beauty of cryptocurrency. Another thing we talked about off the air, like you don't have to be a believer in Bitcoin. You don't have to be holding. It's still a great way to move money because you can go on a nice run where you're winning, you're winning, you're doing well. Like the example I used, you hit sixty percent for a month. And you hit 90% at one book and 30% at another. And one book is flush as fuck, and the other one is starting to trickle down there where you don't have a ton in there. But you're up overall. So that's where I'm withdrawing, and I'm depositing from one book to another. And that's cryptocurrency. so nice for just it's, – it's almost like your 401K, how you, you know they, they automatically rebalance your allocations. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm doing. and just Because you're never, you're never going to hit equally. You're going to – you're gonna have that, and that's boy, that's a, another topic for another day. I used to get superstitious about that. Be like, oh, I can only win tennis plays at five times. Like, I need to keep them there because whenever I play them elsewhere, they lose. Mm. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a thing either. But that no. used to that used to be a thing in my head. So uh, you no, just made me look at the no, price I, of Bitcoin. Uh, yeah. It's been good recently. Did you know that? We're back up right around four. Oh yeah, no, it's been popping up a little. Oh, nice, yeah. good work. But that's good the thing. Bitcoin. Don't 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 keep too much. Don't keep too much in one account, and then also don't, you know, don't uh, don't be afraid to take some out and put it into a different account. Like that, don't limit yourself like that. Like uh, you had a shitty run at one book, and you had a good run at another, and then you want to make yourself a future bet. And the book you had a shitty run at has a way better price that you can't take <laughs> because you didn't have any money in it. That's annoying. That's for yeah. you. You keep, don't keep too much, but don't yeah, don't let a book fizzle out on you because it's amazing how many different books I use for future bets. Yeah, and, all over the all over and, the goddamn. Yeah, and guess what? If you're doing a good job of record keeping and keeping track of your plays, it doesn't matter where you bet what. It doesn't. It, it, honestly, like if you're if you have a good spreadsheet and you put a column in there for what out you bet it at, like you will be. Um, you will be easy, easy able to track your performance across multiple sports and multiple um, you know, mul- multiple books and multiple sports. It's no different. Um, so highly recommended. Yeah. I'm, I have a separate tab for futures. I have futures placed at seven different books right now. Seven. Wow, dude. So it's not, yes, yeah, it's, it's not just impressive. like one is better than the other. It's, it's just, it's, it's certain things. Some books are better than the others or certain things. They offer lines like the, these smaller tournaments for tennis. You're not going to find futures at a ton of books for that. Great point. Um, let's move down to this next one, which I can't wait to talk about. Um, we might have buried the lead here. <laughs> Rookie mistake. So I think we put this 10. one late because it's a good one. I made a bet. This is the best. This is the biggest one. This is uh, yeah. huge. 
I made a bet at a bad number because I thought the Sharps were on it. <sighs> this is kind of at the heart of kind of what is the most commonly spewed misinformation in the gambling Twitter space. Would you agree with that? Yep. Oh, yeah. Those, okay. those tweets you see where, oh, what are what the Sharps are on this? Yes. I don't think those are lies. No. I, I don't think that it's it's not mis it's it's misinformation in that Mis, it's, it's, it's conveyed the wrong way. It's mis, it's mischaracterized. It is mischaracterized because it's a, yeah. yeah. You know, it might say, Oh, the, the sharps are playing the, the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight and Tampa Bay is minus one ten. Well, yeah, the sharps played it because they opened it plus one twenty five. Like the sharps aren't playing one ten. They they don't see value there. They hammered it off the open. They moved it thirty cents or thirty five cents, what have you, and now it's the sharp play because all the sharps are on it. But if you're betting <laughs> it, you lost such an such a crazy amount of value. You have such big negative, you know, not negative CLV perhaps. You don't know what it'll close at. But if you're betting the worst of the number because the sharps are on it, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah. Okay. So let me ask you a couple true falses about this. Um, you don't true, true or false. You don't really need to wait for someone with a high profile Twitter account to tweet out what the sharps are on. You can tell yourself by seeing what's getting steamed. Oh yeah. Get, get some apps, get, get on some websites. You can see the numbers move. You don't have to pay for Don Best to see, see some of these these moves. They're pretty apparent. You can look at what the, I mean. Just even like Vegas Insider. I mean, they, they have the openers for most of the books. You can see what's getting the shit beat out of it right off the get go. Okay. Now, now let's, let's let me ask you another specific scenario. Let's say over the course of an hour, um, you know, not you know, let's say over the over the opening hour of a uh, of a college basketball game being opened. Uh, let's say. The sharp money comes in off of the open and pushes it down a wind that what equates to a, about a t uh, what, what's a big move in in, in um, uh, what's a big move in college basketball like like an eight percent swing in win probability for a given number is that is that high or low? Oh, I mean, uh, I'm just I'm gonna look at, like one from yesterday and Grant, I should I should look at one that actually won. Oh shit! Let's see. Well, none of the ones with big swings won, but like New Mexico went from plus four and a half off the open, and I think they closed at like plus one and a half. Okay, that's this a good was example. not yesterday. That this one was Saturday. That, that, so they, uh, they so closed plus, it too. So it moved. It moved two and a half points. That yeah. changes the win probability of your initial bet from fifty two point three to sixty three point six. Oh man! So those okay, two nice. and a half eleven points. 11%, two and a, yeah. two and a half bet. Two and a half points off that. It, you're you're changing by eleven point three percent. Okay. Now let me ask you about that eleven point three percent. A good amount of that move is moving it in the correct direction to the accurate price, and then some of it is steam of people who are chasing it. Is that would you say that's accurate? Oh yeah, hundred percent. And and you just say it's impossible to di diagnose that breakdown. Like eight percent was accurate, and then three percent yeah, no was, was false, phony steam. We'll never know, right? So because you're, ne um, you're you're never going to see the the money that's moving on like the the big paperheads, the the local bookies, the big money that's coming in on some of that stuff. That uh, you, you don't really know where the money really is sometimes. Yeah, like you have to respect moves off the opener most yeah. of the time. But yeah. it's tough to say how much okay. is steam, how much is illusion. Mm -hmm. um, 
Do <laughs> okay. True or false? Uh, if you are presented with money percentage data, uh, it means anything. <laughs> this oh, book, it's horseshit. It's this, it's absolute horseshit. Yeah. It's, okay. They're 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 taking from like one or two books. You don't know who's betting sharp, who's, uh, and that's the thing. Sh sharp and square has really less to do with how big the bets are. Right. It's than not most a, people think. Right. Like the, yes. there's 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 dipshits with money and there's sharps with small bankrolls. You don't how big a bet is really doesn't doesn't give justice to actually if it was a sharp play or not. So it's so tough to say. These numbers that get released, I mean, the, the, like the stuff you'll see on the Action Networks app or stuff, I 100% I don't trust any of that. It's it's taken from one or two offshores, and and it's trash. It's garbage. It's it's such a small sample size, and it, it might be indicative of the market sometimes, but that's more luck luck than anything it's like the the little town in new hampshire that votes at midnight every election and they say oh you know the last six elections have gone the way this little town where there's 14 people that vote like that's that's not correlation yeah <laughs> or, you know there's 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 no causation there it's not okay so it's not so, indicative of what it's actually happening so sometimes okay. it, you know sometimes those moves will be right or the, the numbers will make sense and in, in you know, in a simplistic point of view, like it will make sense. Like all oh, these, you know, the the big money. There's fewer bets, but more money on this one side. That means the big money's coming on. Like that makes sense. That makes sense oh, yeah. to me. That I oh, mean, yeah. that's just that, that sounds so simple, but it, I mean, it just it's not going to be true because you're not getting a, a commensurate look at the market. You're not looking at the whole market for sure. And it is missing an entire, the most important dimension is missing, which is where, when, when they the, bet it, when they bet it. Yeah. Exa exactly. Egg freaking exactly. If there is a tiny amount of money that came in early on a sharp number, and then it's moved away from that number because that was determined to be the value side. And then the limits come up and then more big bets come in and you actually do have an exact balance sheet of the book and it's imbalanced it could be for a lot of reasons uh and if you don't know you know what number of bets were placed at and how much they were relative to limits and how much they were rel you know from sharp betters relative to their betting patterns you really don't know shit um and it, this is is this as simple as if it were valuable why would the books release it yeah no it's it's I don't want to say it's like there's ul ulterior motives, but it's just it's noise, it's subterfuge, it's it's BS. It's a good way to you know just promote stuff, get tweets going. It's dumb. It's mm -hmm. not something. It's not something you should really take too seriously in your handicap. Yeah. Even even if you can say, well, when this does this, and it's like it, it's probably not correlated. Yeah. Okay. So here's least, a, here's a, so. Yeah, I need to see some stronger argument than I've ever seen that it is. And I will go to my grave thinking that if a book is giving you information, it is entirely to get you involved in betting a market that you wouldn't otherwise. It has nothing to do with actually providing any useful information. Um, the, the analogy I would make is like counting cards is an effective way to, to get an advantage over the house, would you say, in Blackjack? 
yeah, I mean, it's proven. Yeah. There's um, math behind it. Yeah. And uh, do you see books running around giving tutorials on how to count cards? <laughs> Just to get no, people in the door to can, play blackjack? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, but you, you can walk into some casinos and they'll say, you know, they'll be giving craps lessons at 10 a.m. today. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. They, they, will, they, want, they, want, they want to teach you how to play the game. But yeah, yeah, they don't, don't, yeah teach you how to win. they don't want to teach you how to win. No, there's that's right, and there's zero point zero to be gained by informing the public on actual bet percentages in a way that uh, helps shape your handicap, in my opinion. But um, you know, other people uh, disagree, obviously, and uh, I find that their arguments on this point are fairly weak. Um, and we'll leave it at that. Last one. This one again. Relatively Last one. We did it. I won over the course of the season. Therefore, I have figured out this sport, this this world of betting. I'm now a genius. I won over the course of the season. Easy to dispel this, you think? This is an easy, easy trap to fall into if you develop some sort of rudimentary model, if you get an, a winning edge over the course of a season. Easy to convince yourself that you've got it figured out. Um, and granted there are people in our sphere, uh, most no, you know, very well-known gambling people who are doing things completely, completely uh, out of the, the standard way of handicapping and are coming up with edges in sports that are true and quantifiable and awesome. And they've shared that for free and they've won people a lot of money. And those people are unicorns. If you have beginner's luck, you better be damn sure. I mean, if you had a winning season, you better be damn sure it's not beginner's luck. Because it takes a long, long time to learn all the ins and outs of this and to get to a place where you can win, you can, you can demonstrate a sustained advantage over multiple seasons. It is just not as easy as I won uh, you know, I won 58% on betting, you know, on betting totals in college football. Therefore, I'm a fucking genius. And you should all listen to my opinion on everything. Like, there's people out there that fall into that trap. I understand it. I get it. I've had, you know, successful runs in sports where I thought I knew it all. Uh, and then, you know, regression comes knocking one of the years that all of a sudden your tried and true angles or whatever you were doing uh, doesn't happen to work anymore. And it can be as simple as the market caught up to you. Right. Like the market continues to evolve as fast, if not faster than you're evolving your own handicap and you can fall into traps and, and get caught like it absolutely happens. Um, how big of a sample size do you think you really need to prove that you're not flipping coins, Andy? I want to talk to some math guys because I think it's a pretty big number. And like I won, I won in the NFL this year. You won in the NFL this year. We both won last year, but I still aren't. I'm not convinced either of us are any good. Like I think we're above average, but I don't think we're like long term for sure good. Uh, I, I want to say like in my progression, in my evolution as a better, I will say years ago, maybe not even years ago, maybe even just like a couple years ago. If somebody told me you can't beat sports betting unless you're doing some sort of data modeling or or really crunching down statistics, you can't just eye test everything, I'd have said, well, I think some people can. And I 
do not believe that any longer. That is out of my dogma. Yeah. Which yeah. Shout out to dogma. Shout out dogma. Yep. Like, but yeah, I, it's uh, the same. That's it's dead to me. That is, you you have to you have to have some sort of modeling. Which boy, that's another good one for the bankroll management preview that we are absolutely going to have to do now because you can't be doing any sort of staking. <laughs> we got to do our homework. You, you on can't that. do a staking. We will, but you can't do a staking method unless you have some quantifiable edge. You can't say, well, I like this play twice as much as this other play. Yeah. That's not right. a thing. That's not a good, that's not a plan. But yeah. yeah. Um, it can take you three yeah, years. You, you to need a pretty out. big sample. It can I, take I, you three years of betting on sports to figure out what quantifiable edge means. <laughs> yeah, I know. I need Seriously. to crack open, I need to crack open a stats, uh, stats textbook and figure out like what a statistic what would make a statistically significant sample like i'm winning at 55 percent well yeah you've you know you played however many games you know it's not statistically significant at 15 25 30 games maybe even at 200 it might not be you know there, we gotta there's, get on. there is a certain point a nerd, apparently. We need someone no, we really nerdy the guy, for the this. Guy that, there's a guy that did a lot of groundbreaking refer, research on this. Um, 12, 12 exponent, 12 expert. Oh, yeah, Joseph yeah, yeah. Buchdahl. Joseph Buchdahl. Yeah, the guy who wrote your book. Yeah. No, um, oh, I love I love his stuff. No, we got it, we got it. He would know. Yeah, God, I, I bet you expert. could I bet you tweet him and he'd X, know like instantly. 12 capital X P E R T. He did a whole awesome study where they went through pick. The, the, um, what was it? That, what, what was the, the pick site? That uh, that had all the tipsters. Um, oh yeah, just one of those sites where people uh, want to go to put their picks in. To be I keep on saying he keep... went and showed like nobody, nobody was winning long term on that site. No, like it's impossible. Like you take the best, you take like people who have perceived uh, winning edge over um, an eight hundred game sample in their next four hundred games. Like it all came crashing down. Like it, and it was it was across. You know, a broad enough, you know, broad enough swath that it was very, very compelling. And you know, I think, I think you said it when we were, you know, prepping. Like it's in the ballpark of like fifteen hundred plays that you really need to have down to prove, you know, and not just fifteen hundred plays, you know, at random, but like literally, like you've done, you, you know, systematically, um, you know, carried out your your um, your model as is over the course of fifteen hundred plays, and you can prove out that there is truly a statistical edge if you know at that point like it's certainly not over a season of even baseball or, or nba like you need multiple seasons um and oh, sure. you know and you know the the only way that i know to shortcut this in terms of you know creating um you know a useful track record or like like an like an obvious evidentiary um you know trail is to track your closing line value and show that yes i am beating the market consistently uh i think that's a that that and in the end that becomes kind of a, the most powerful indicator that i can think of um and so presumably uh if you want to know but you don't want to wait 1500 picks then that's the way you do it does that sound, re sound reasonable yeah i think beating the market is pretty indicative mm -hmm. that's always going to show you it's going to show you a lot. So, if you consistently get the best of the number, I think you're you're doing better than a lot of people. So, that's boy. Do we do a whole CLV show too? 
Yeah, I probably. Because there are some mind blowing there are some mind blowing things that we've learned along the way about yeah. just how incredibly predictive. Like if I told you before the game even started, like just the the price, the money line price, the, the price that's on the spread, like that's incredibly predictive over the long term. If it's a minus two hundred favorite, like sixty six percent of the time that's gonna win over the long term. Like there's no, there's no mystery to it. It is incredibly, the market itself is not efficient when it opens, but the betters make it. So like it's actually kind of crazy. So we'll get into that someday. Yeah. We got to reach out to Joseph Buchdahl and uh, have him on when we get to that point of the podcast series this summer, he would be a freaking great guest. I would love to pick his brain on this stuff because you know, he and you know, again, if you happen to be listening and you happen to feel like you are personally being challenged by this, um, and uh, you know, by all means, check out at 12 expert, um, X P E R T, uh, and uh, look at some of his research, some of his white papers that he's done on this topic. He's written a lot of great stuff for the Pinnacle blog, and um, yeah, and he's written a great book, so um, yeah. Is that good enough uh, for lessons learned? Should we wrap this up? Uh, we've gone. I think so. Yeah, we we, we drug our names through the mud. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. We. I mean, these are we. We didn't like bring any of these up to like pick on you. Like, hey, you're shitty better because you do this. Literally, every single one of these things we both did. Oh, like, you. I just admit I mean, it, it, it. I feel like I feel like I, I was anchored. It's everything. To a specific it's everything in life. It's it screwed me out of you know appropriately evaluating my risk in oh, yeah, the AFC title it. game. Like I still do this stuff. Like and, oh, dude, I cannot. You know what I'm excited for? I cannot wait for the Monday episode where we just go through all the uh, the biases chart that's gonna be fun yeah we cognitive bias we should cognitive we need to write this down jesus yeah we just know, we just we're we're just, that's gonna be we just programmed like six spots here so I know. all right um, i can't wait but yeah i can't wait we we anyway. both we both did all of these things multiple times we've grown it's like everything else like your first day and whatever job you have right now i bet you suck shit at whatever job you had on <laughs> your first day <laughs> but you were terrible yourself, you didn't man. know what you're doing you didn't you didn't even know where the bathroom was uh, you looked like an idiot probably had a bad haircut you especially but, suck, uh, suck, suck shit if your job was cleaning out board bodies. Um, but yeah, for ugh. sure. But yeah, you, you will absolutely, yeah, you'll, you'll learn a ton as you go. It's just like any, like anything else. Hard work and practice is going to make you better. That's what we're trying to do. We want to be better. And I think we've gotten better. And we're just trying to give you the shortcut here. Yeah. Don't do some of this stuff. That's right. Or at least if you are doing it, just uh, just evaluate how it has impacted your overall performance as a better. Um, you know, it's it's uh, and, you know, we got to do more do better due diligence to parlays. I think um, that could have been a whole 30 minutes in and of itself oh, there was, because yeah, there was an article yeah. today I'm going to share with you. OK, yeah, because I, cause I have a specific point of view on parlays that I feel like we need to explore a little bit. But, yeah, uh, you know, there's but there there are a lot of things. Uh, about the way that you kind of approach your betting, you know, your betting livelihood uh, that you could probably be doing better. I feel this that way specifically. And, um, you know, talking through this stuff definitely helps. So hopefully it helped and uh, appreciate your time listening. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get back at to some real sports handicapping on uh, Wednesday. Sound good?
If you like the NBA NCAA modeling episode, we're gonna we're gonna dip right back into that with some more in depth stuff with a yeah uh, yet another voice who uh, who yep. knows a lot more about that than I do for sure. Episode one oh handicapping. I mean, that modeling one oh one is in the books. We're gonna go to the next level, which is one oh two, uh, and we are going to kind of get a little bit more nuanced into the actual inputs and outputs and uh, and some of the other tricks and 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 things that we've tried along the way, and and uh, should be a ton of fun. I can't wait. So. Yeah, and and it's just great bringing in another person who's doing it. To yep. get to, if, there's no right way, wrong way to do it. Maybe there's wrong ways. We always say that, but uh, it, it's fun to see how someone else is approaching it. I love to see, even as as you know, on this side of the microphone, this side of the iPhone, whatever you're listening on, it is fun for us to to learn about other people's processes. So look for that out Thursday. Excellent. And thanks for listening. Talk to you then.